0: Neal deep in the post, lots of contact
1: there. Oh, what a block by Wallace. What and a jump
0: ball. He's down four, 12-8, 7-38 to
1: play in the first one. Yeah. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim. Countdown, baby, and a foul. Reggie inside for Andre, and a
0: dynamite dunk. Pistons fans, welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, all here with you. Your Detroit Pistons in the playoffs. The number 8 seed in the Eastern Conference. They'll get set to take on the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. But, you know, as the regular season comes to a close, I just want to thank ryan pay for making the nba regular season bearable for me to watch
2: thank you ryan brendan you are most welcome and i want to reciprocate i want to say thank you brendan for making this season enjoyable not only watching but on twitter and allowing me to have some fun with the season, being part of my first season with the Palace of Pistons podcast and Pistons Twitter. So thank you, Brendan. I'm glad you and I could enjoy each other's company throughout the Pistons season. I mean, you just make it bearable for me to... Oh! <laughs> hey, hey, Aaron! How are uh, you, doing? I guess we What's can also up, thank bro? Aaron, maybe... I mean, why not? Hey, well,
0: now, my, it, Let's do it. Hey, Hold on, screw it. <laughs> let's do it. Let me throw out an additional thank you You're to Aaron. A. Johnson NBA. He and his Twitter content keeps my blood flowing. Sometimes it's the positive juices going. Other times the blood is boiling. So A. Johnson NBA, yeah,
3: I'll give you some props. Screw it. Let's do it. You know, guys, I mean, it's okay to be salty. I mean, I did. I did. Tag you guys in a follow-up tweet. Oh, we're just a follow-up, the, the follow-up, follow-up tweet, tweet. Guys. thanks You know, I, I have to I have to give some respect to the OGs that have been with the Pistons on Twitter through the last two, three seasons with me. And then I made a separate tweet thanking some of the new people that joined my timeline this year. I'm all about giving love to so anyways, everyone on Twitter. Ryan, how you doing? I'm great, Brendan. Because um, we've got a great show coming up.
2: Huge. But Aaron... No one here is disrespecting the OGs. Nobody here. I ran we out of twe- I ran out of characters in the tweet. And, okay, you get two forty. He 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 listed like six people. Right, That's a, He like hundred characters. Hey, bro. I'll,
3: I'll, we can read. We can go look at the tweet right now. Let's go see how many characters. You know this is what?
2: Nonsense.
0: Nobody wants to look at your tweet. They want to hear about the business, and the business is we
3: have. A huge podcast for you today.
2: Massive.
3: Coming up later in the show, Aaron, how about you tell us who you were able to catch up with from Milwaukee? Well, I talked to Ty Windish, host of the Iro Step podcast, uh, Milwaukee Bucks guru, so I had a good chat with him. He broke down the the side of the series from the Milwaukee Bucks perspective, uh, but I had a great conversation with him. And all all three of us had an opportunity to catch up with with another person of our own. Yeah, way to steal my teaser. Like This is poor radio, but we'll go with it.
0: We'll make it work. Screw it anyways, okay? But no, we had an awesome conversation. Glenn Robinson III joined the podcast. We had the opportunity to catch up with him. He breaks down the playoff series from the Pistons' perspective. So let's send it to that audio with Glenn. So we're back here on the podcast, joined by Glenn Robinson III, and Well, Glenn, first of all, just congratulations. Obviously, you guys able to make the playoffs. You go through kind of a crazy week with Blake getting hurt, a couple of must-win games, uh, but a huge week for you. You have a great game versus the Knicks as you guys clinch that playoff spot. So, congratulations, and just talk about your feeling and that feel in the locker room of of getting that job done and clinching the
1: playoffs. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is. Uh, I've been to playoffs a couple times, you know, and you know, every time that you get to play, every time that you're in the playoffs, um, and around this time of year, you just really get excited, you know. And a lot of guys don't get to see that moment, you know. I was also a part my rookie year where I wasn't in the playoffs, you know, and I got to go home at this this time, and I was planning on vacation around this time. So uh, when you when you make it, you know, it's always a great feeling that you know you're one of uh, what 16 teams to keep going. In this, you know, you have a chance to keep fighting every day, you know, and especially with March Madness being around too. You know, it's always good energy around this time of
3: the year. Yeah, and you guys had a bit of a rough stretch in the month of months of December and January. You went a combined eleven and twenty one, but since you've had one of the best offenses in the league, and quite frankly, have turned your season around. What were the changes that the team went through to make this turnaround possible and get to this spot where you're at now, ready for the playoffs?
1: Yeah, um, I think one of one of the goals of ours was, you know, just come out and compete every night and, and have, uh, have that energy and have everybody bring uh, what they bring to the team and everybody uh, do their role. You know, and I thought that we started to figure that out, you know, the bench came in and had energy. and. Um, playing free, you know, uh, shooting our, our shots, not really worried about this is a mix, you know, and, and we struggled a little bit, uh, down the end, uh, but we, we ended up getting it done two games in a row, which is uh what we needed, you know. So I think that uh for us one of the biggest things was we broke it down the last fifteen games, we broke it down into five game series, and we wanted to win each five games, you know, and, and uh Zaza actually set to the team and brought that and we just took it, uh, you know, one game at a time. But it was really a five-game series for us, the last 15 games. I uh, think
2: we can stay all we can No, yeah, absolutely. So, let's get to it. Pistons, Bucks first-round matchup, first game, 7 p.m. Sunday. Uh, the Pistons are tasked with probably one of the most difficult tasks in the NBA, and that's figuring out how to slow down and stop Giannis Antetokounmpo. And as one of the more athletic guys on the court and on the team for the Pistons, that's gonna—you're gonna be part of that rotation. It seems like. So, what do you think you need to do to stop him, to slow him down, to give the Pistons the best chance to win this, win a game, and win the series?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think that uh, that's, that's something that we've definitely been uh, watching some film over. Um, I've been taking a chance to, to watch some of Giannis' uh, yeah, film and uh, just go over his, his game. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, we gotta show him length. We gotta kind of show him the wall. You know, uh, uh, every time that he gets the ball, we all gotta gotta load up to him. You know, it, it just won't be the guy that's that's guarding him. It won't be me or 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 whoever else is guarding him. Um, but we gotta we gotta be a little as a team, you know. And um, I think that we we've been doing that throughout the year. And uh, you know, I think that we're uh, going up the game plan. I think that uh, you know, I think that we're all locked in. And I think that we're all going you know, to the ball with him.
0: So, you know, Glenn, your minutes have been sporadic throughout the year. And you've been in in some of the biggest moments. You think of, obviously, the Knicks game the other night. There was the game versus Toronto. We were able to come in some spot minutes and make a huge impact in a big home win, amongst several others. So you've been able to get in and perform in some big moments. But just talk about, you know, your journey throughout the season, your first year here with the Pistons, and then maintaining that confidence and that readiness of just, when you're called, being able to go out there and and deliver um, as needed for the team.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think this is a, this being year five of mine, you know, I've kind of learned, you know, how to bring some energy, how to bring um, both ends of court. Um, the court when I can play game is uh, to really bring that energy, you know, bring that into the game, but also that that uh, hard nose playing, you know, um, doing little things. I think that, um, you know, that second unit has really brought that uh, throughout the season. And, uh, you know, you've always just got to be ready when your name is called. You know, uh, things might not go your way and it always comes back around being in this league because you always got to stay ready because you never know if anything might happen. You know, uh, we didn't know Blake's injury was going to occur, but, you know, I've been working all season even when I wasn't playing and um, getting with guys like Jose and, um, you know, Zion playing three-on-three three and just staying in shape because you never
3: know what's going to happen. And with you guys now in the playoffs, these last few weeks of the regular season have been, well, big for you guys to get wins. And it seems like when you're home, you guys have a better record. And in these last few weeks especially, the fans have been coming out to LCA to watch you guys perform. How big of an impact does that change in atmosphere when there's more fans in the building? How big of an impact does that have on you guys?
1: Yeah, um, You know, I think that our biggest, you know, our big games in the season, uh, there there was always a a huge crowd. And throughout those big games, I thought we played really well. Uh, The energy in the building was, you know, exciting. Everybody was alert, you know. And those are always fun fun times to play in. You know, Um, and I think, uh, you know, credit to this team. You know, we've done something with, you know, getting the playoffs. You know, I know we haven't done in a couple years here with the Pistons. And, you know, I think that this team deserves a a, a great crowd to come put on a show because you know, we're an exciting team, and uh, you know, I think a lot of fans in that
2: city are, are pretty happy for us. No, we couldn't agree more, Glenn. Uh, LCA needs to be rocking for Game 3 when you guys come back on that Saturday. The fans have to come out. This oh, team yeah. deserves it, absolutely. Um, So another thing, uh, with Blake Griffin's uh, injury status kind of up in the air, maybe you guys know more about it than obviously we would, but with it seemingly up in the air... Uh, what does the rest of the team have to do to fill in for that production he brings that leadership he brings in on a night in night out basis
1: i think we, our biggest job our biggest goal will be to play together you know, uh, we all could be uh in the past you know we got to play as one you know uh all-star mission you know a great player blake uh um, you know Andre has always doing his job of stepping up um but the rest of us red you know red, he does it you know the rest of us we have to come in and be attached you know we got to come in and play together
0: you know you talked about this is your fifth season in the league you've experienced some playoff seasons before what do you learn after that first time or two through the playoffs that maybe you can help some of the guys in the locker room that that have only been in the playoffs once or have yet to experience a playoff series like luke and bruce um you know what, what? What are you providing as I guess somebody that's been there before? What are you able to do to help those guys? Uh, you know, in a moment where we got to be ready to go, uh, starting this weekend. Yeah,
1: yeah uh, you know, I think the biggest thing for me as I just take a moment to enjoy your game. You know, I take a moment to relax and uh, you know, play up lines, take a look around and see all the fans, see the excitement of playoffs in the air. You know, like I said, a lot of guys don't experience the playoffs. You know, sometimes throughout their whole career, so. Um, to be in that moment, you know, we gotta take a look back and, and have fun, and remember that you know it, it's a game that's been a dream of ours. When we were young, you know, so that's something that I do, um, and that's something that I advise to help you get to, the, you know, the rookies, and, you know, like Bruce to calm them down, you know, Kyrie, just to take a moment to realize that we've accomplished something pretty big to help calm us down, you know, and just play fun, play with energy, you know, play the same way that we've been
3: playing throughout the season. You know, you mentioned Zaza Pachulia a couple times. You've mentioned, uh, you know, working out with Jose Calderon when you weren't necessarily in the rotation all that much. And those are two veterans that have spent double-digit years throughout the league. They've been with different teams. Zaza has an NBA ring. Even though maybe a guy like Jose Calderon doesn't play too much when the teams are healthy with Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith and Zaza's minutes are somewhat limited, how important is it to have those kind of veterans that have that experience and, and bring that leadership to a team that is somewhat on the younger side?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think people don't realize how important those guys are for our team, you know, um, you know especially for me uh, when I was out here in location, you know, Jose on. He's been, you know, he's been an extreme bet. You know, he's been a he's been a real professional. Um, he would have kind every day. He comes in and he listens. and he gets his workout in first before, you know, we get there. And then, you know, after that, he plans out when, what time we're going to play. So what time kind the of guys we're not in rotation are going to play three on three, four on four. So he's really kept my mind active, kept me going, you know, and thinking basketball, think through the game, think of you know, the plays that the team is running because when my opportunity comes, I got to be ready. So, those guys, you know, it's just crazy how much that they really uh, know about the game and know about a team. You know, and to really get the chance
0: to see how they've been in it so long and uh, what they really bring to the team. Well, you know, Glenn, this is obviously Coach Casey's first year here in Detroit with several new pieces to the front office, a handful of new pieces to the roster this year. Just talk about what it's kind of been like being part of that first season for Coach Casey and part of that transition uh, here into Detroit? Yeah, I think that uh, it's definitely been something special. Uh, It's been something that uh, we've all
1: come into work every day and enjoy each other. We've all come into
3: Speaking of Coach Casey, and, and we talked about trying to defend Giannis a little bit earlier, but uh, the Bucks are a team that's loaded with talent. You look at Chris Middleton, an all-star level player, Eric Bledsoe, another all-star level player, Brooke Lopez is a guy that uh, has had a very good career in the NBA, and they're a much deeper team than they were in seasons past. What is he kind of honed in on you guys needing to do defensively to try to stop them?
0: You know, one more, I guess, question here for me, and this is, I guess, slightly in a different direction, but obviously, you played college basketball not far up the road at Michigan. Um, you know, but here in the state, and you know, just kind of talk about what it's like. I think a lot of people, you know, have a really good perception of Coach Beeline, and you know, talk about how his, you know the, that program at Michigan, and you were part of really the resurgence of Michigan basketball, right in that mix of it with the NCAA tournament runs, the Big Ten runs. Um, you know, talk about what it was like to to play for Coach Beeline, to play in that program, and and how his program has helped you translate your game to then the NBA level.
1: Yeah, I think that um, you know it was a, it was a, definitely a great time going into Michigan. Um, we made the national championship. You know, uh of the biggest games of my life. Man, I think that uh, that's the biggest thing basketball is the way that they teach how to play how to play the game and Coach Beeline, he does everything from how to cut how to, you know dribble and pass and all the little details that you need to know to play the game he does it to a whole other extreme you know, and I, th- I think that it's really helped me translate my game to the NBA because um, now the NBA is fast playing game thinking game, you know, can you cut, can you make different threes So I I think that it especially helps me playing with a guy like Zaza. I know when I'm on the court, you know, that's how he plays, you know. So I know I can do some back cuttings some different off the ball just with him. Um, You know, so I think that it it really helps me translate my game to the NBA a lot um, because they do such a good focus on all the little fundamentals and details. All
3: right, well, Glenn, we want to thank you so much for joining us here today and good luck in the playoffs. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
0: Dude, Glenn is awesome. That what a great interview and an opportunity to catch up with uh, Glenn Robinson III as he breaks down that Pistons playoff series. But you know, first of all, I just want to say we appreciate Glenn coming on and. That was insightful. I thought he said a lot of really good things. They're kind of looking at the end of season approach into the playoffs, and you know, but he can provide as a veteran all these different things. I thought that was awesome.
3: Yeah, it was cool to hear some of, some of the interesting things that you don't really think about uh, when when you think about the piston season in general. Uh, I you know I'm I really liked hearing about. How he was working out with Jose Calderon when he was out of the rotation, and you know how Zaza Bachulia had an impact on the team when he when he said they they broke down the last fifteen games of the season in a three five game series, and that was you know Zaza's idea. I thought that was all really interesting stuff, and uh, good to see Glenn playing well to end the season, so that hopefully he's a part of that playoff rotation. I mean, I would assume he is considering the Pistons uh, need. Different kind of players to throw at Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I think Glenn kind of fits the mold of one guy that they're going to need to try to throw at him.
2: Now, oh, seriously, what a great time to be part of the Palace of Pistons podcast and to be a listener of the podcast. I think we're a very pro Glenn Robinson III team here, absolutely. And uh, to be able to interview him and get his insights, and get his thoughts on the team, and just talk through everything and you know really break things down—it was fantastic. What a great get for us to be able to interview him. He was awesome. Thank you so much, Glenn.
0: Yeah, that was really good. we'll break it down more. I think we all kind of want to talk about how he talked about splitting it up into five-game series down the stretch. Aaron, you talked about his workouts with Jose Calderon. We'll get into that, but before we continue forward with the Pistons stuff,
3: We want to – I'm going to toss this to Aaron. He's going to hit it out of the park for the transition here of the pod. Yeah, we're going to send it over to my interview with Ty Windish. Again, was able to catch up with him to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks side and perspective of this upcoming first-round matchup between the Pistons and the Bucks. All right, and I'm joined now by Ty Windish, host of the Gyro Step podcast and Wisconsin Herd reporter. That's the G League team. For the Milwaukee Bucks, he's a Bucks guru, has his own podcast. But Ty, first off, thanks for coming on in short notice to talk about this matchup between the Bucks and the Pistons.
4: Absolutely, Uh, I've been looking forward to it. I've been hoping to connect for a while, so I'm excited to talk some uh, Bucks Pistons here in advance of the first round.
3: Okay, so let's talk about Milwaukee season as a whole. You know, watching the team all season, they go 60 and 22, best record in the Eastern Conference, uh, first seed in the East. Talk about the season that they've had under a new coach and Mike Budenholzer and how that's all come together.
4: I mean, they've exceeded everyone's even the, the real optimist expectations. I mean, there are a couple of people on fring, uh, fringe aspects of Bucks Twitter who probably will tell you this is what they expected, but most of the the watchers and the writers and podcasters and everything else, it sort of felt like we were looking for 50-ish wins, you know, get to the get to the second round, maybe get to the conference finals and you know, Giannis, the Bucks under Coach Budenholzer, just have blown the doors off. Best record in the league, high expectations going to the playoffs. Uh, potential, maybe probable. I don't know if we should go that far. MVP and Giannis. We will not know for an absurdly long amount of time for no real reason. But uh, it's it's been an exciting ride. You know, it's really been uh, proving that the hype around Giannis that's been building for years is is real. It's not an overblowing. You know. Even without your quote-unquote second star, although Chris Middleton did make the all-star team this year, the Bucks have still put up 60 wins, best record in the league, and uh, you know, obviously Giannis, we the real focal point of that.
3: Yeah, and I think this roster, compared to last year's team, much deeper. I mean, you have the resurgence of Eric Bledsoe after a playoffs where uh, definitely we saw him kind of struggle in the spotlight on him kind of saw him struggle, but you add George Hill, you add Brooke Lopez, you add Nikola Mirotic. this is a much deeper team, and uh, how important has the depth been for them?
4: It's been crucial without a doubt, mostly because the Bucks have been bit by the injury bug lately, and I mean, you look at thankfully they were able to obtain Mirotic without giving up any rotation pieces, I mean, Von Maker, a familiar face, ends up over there in Detroit, and a bunch of second round picks go to New Orleans, and the Bucs obtained Miritich, which, you know, losing him hurts, but it helps a little bit that, you know, no one who played big minutes before that trade gets injured. Malcolm Brogdon out until probably around the second round. That's also tough. Brogdon was great. He put up a 50-40-90 season. But thankfully, because of that depth, you mentioned guys like Sterling Brown, who's gotten a lot more opportunity to play this year, his second season. He's filled in quite nicely for Brogdon, all things considered. And. You know, DJ Wilson has stepped up, things like that. And really, you look at the difference between depth and a shallow team matters more in the regular season than it does in the playoffs, I would say. But it's certainly helped the Bucks to have a lot of guys who can come in and play minutes without just completely making the team, I guess, bad is is the the simple way to put it.
3: And I'm glad you brought up Thon Maker because I wanted to get your perspective on him so far in Detroit. I think he, I think the general viewpoint is of him is that he's a bit inconsistent, but you see the talent there with him. Uh, he can shoot the long ball. He blocks shots at the rim. He's quick, but then you see the lack of hands. Um, maybe basketball IQ would be a, a good word to put it with the way that he sometimes gets lost within plays. What are your thoughts on Maker? Does he have a, a bright outlook? For the future in his league, only being twenty-one years old, or is he a pretty straight line kind of development? Is what he is at this point.
4: I think there's certainly a, a future for thought. I don't know how exactly bright it is, but as you said, I mean, there's times when you see him do things, and you just go, "Oh, this guy, this guy could be really, really good someday." And I, I think, I don't think the Bucks necessarily, as an organization, thought, "Oh, he can't be good." I think the thinking was more like, "I mean, if we can trade this guy and some picks we have, mostly just lying around, honestly." for a guy in Miritich who basically is sort of like the best-case scenario of Thon. I mean, they're not exactly the same player, but you look at a, a stretchy four or five who can shoot and do all sorts of things offensively. I mean, I think Thon probably has a higher ceiling than what Miritich is, but I don't know what the chances are of him getting there. His floor is certainly a lot shorter. So the Bucks as a team, you know, at the time around the deadline, still the best team in the NBA, still the best team in the East, saying, we want to go in right now. It just made sense to trade him for a guy like Miritich. I think it's it's good that he's on a team where maybe he can play a little bit more, uh, maybe have a little patience with him, a fresh start for him. Uh, after some trade rumors, it seems like he pretty much started, you know, came out in Milwaukee a little bit before he got dealt. Uh, so, I, to in short, you know, I think there is some potential there. I just don't think the Bucks were a team that has the bandwidth right now to to give a guy like that a lot of run or, or really any run.
3: And when you look at the season series between the Bucks and the Pistons, the Milwaukee Bucks won all four games. I was at one of the matchups in Detroit, and Milwaukee absolutely dominated them. It wasn't even a great performance by Giannis. It was DJ Wilson who had a big game. There was a couple other guys that stepped up for them. Uh, Sterling Brown played really well. Just a couple of those guys on the back end of the bench that you wouldn't really expect to, to do as much harm as they did, but they did do it. And when you look at the season series between the two teams, why did the Bucks have so much success against Detroit?
4: It seems to me like the Pistons really just have a, a, a hard time guarding Milwaukee. Uh, Giannis, like you said, I mean, 20-point average in the four games against the Pistons is not great for him, but he shot 58% from the field. But you look at, you know, all the way down the roster, I mean, Bledsoe shot 50, 40, 80 against the Pistons this year, scored 20 points per game. Chris Middleton scored just a hair under 20 he shot 51% from the field, 38% from three. Malcolm Brogdon, 64% from the field, 50% from three. It goes on like that. I mean, every Bucks rotation player seemed to really eat against that Pistons defense. So I think part of the reason for that is Detroit is tiny. Uh, you look at, you know, Glenn Robb, three, starting at, uh, at forward a lot. You know, Luke Kennard plays there sometimes, it looks like. Lacey Galloway gets minutes. I think the two, I haven't watched a ton of Pistons outside of the Bucks games, but they just have a lot of small guys in the rotation. And I mean, guys like Chris Middleton, obviously honest, but even Chris, if he gets matched up on a smaller guy, for him, that's always been an easy bucket. And he almost looks at that with contempt when he ends up with a smaller wing on him, like, really, you think this guy can guard me? (laughs) Uh, So I think that's a lot of the reason. and. You know, the Bucks pride themselves on defense, but it's it's a lot easier to win if you're just unstoppable in the offensive end like Milwaukee has been against Detroit this season.
3: And with Detroit the question has been, who's going, at least on Pistons Twitter, the question has been, who should guard Giannis? And you mentioned the stats, I was going to bring them up myself, but uh, the Pistons have done a relatively good job containing Giannis. There was a couple games where he scored only 15 points against Detroit, he had a 32-point outburst, and then he had a 21-12 and 12 double-double against the Pistons, so you really only have four games. It's not such a large sample size to really work with. Those two 15-point performances certainly dragged the numbers down, even though he was still good against the Pistons. Uh, But the question has been, who should guard him? And you talked about the lack of size on the wings for Detroit. And uh, Glenn Robinson III hasn't even been in the rotation lately for Detroit, which, uh, as their biggest wing, is definitely an issue. But they've been using 6'5 guys and 6'5 guys only uh, in Bruce Brown, Wayne Ellington, and Luke Kennard on the wing. So... Uh, I'll tell you what the answer right now is on Pistons Twitter, and the answer is Andre Drummond. That's who they think should guard Giannis. First off, is that is that what you would think would be the best way to try to slow down Giannis? And if not, who would be another guy or two that you would try to throw at him just to mix it up?
4: I don't think you almost have to go with him or Thon. I mean, like Blake, I just, I mean, Blake's health obviously from what I've seen right now is kind of a question mark in general, but... On a bad knee, asking a guy who's already not the quickest laterally to guard Giannis. Seems like a recipe for disaster. Uh, Drummond, at least, is long, and, you know, he's got pretty decent hands. I mean, I know he's a guy who gets a lot of steals. He's a a capable defender, one-on-one. Fawn again, is long enough. But the problem with those two guys is you have to be so strong. I mean, Ben Simmons, who's quite the perimeter defender, just gets absolutely bullied every time he tries to guard Giannis. So, I know Giannis has, has said, you know, has been quoted in saying that uh, stuff, will say stuff. That's not what he said, but that stuff <laughs> don't work when you try to guard him with a center. But I think Detroit absolutely has no choice than to try using some of those bigger guys because, I mean, if you put a six-five guy on Giannis, he's going to just take you downtown and dunk every single time. And if you help, he's going to find one of these shooters who have all hitting like 40, 50% from deep against Detroit. And that doesn't even seem that much better.
3: If there's one player that the Pistons fans should be aware of that maybe they aren't aware of before this series starts? Who should it be that's on the Milwaukee Bucks roster?
4: I think you're going to see a good amount of Sterling Brown and you're going to see a good amount of Brooke Lopez. Uh, Just guys that are completely unafraid to shoot from deep or playmake, that's the thing that both of those guys do well, is if you really sell out hard to try and stop them from nailing the three, both of those guys will take you to the rack and just dunk all over you. And I especially like Sterling has gotten some really easy points on fast breaks because he'll just keep dribbling and, and everyone kind of fans out. You know, two guys go to Giannis, like oh no Giannis. One guy will go to Chris, like we can't let him get this three. And Sterling literally just dribbles into dunks because everyone fans out to cover someone seen as more of a threat. So uh, and he's probably going to start in this series considering it sounds like Tony Snell and Nicole miritich and Eric Bledsoe will all miss part or all of it, depending on how long it goes. So I would look at those two guys, and Lopez will just rain threes on you from everywhere and really help stretch out the defense. And if you have to use your big guys on Giannis, all of a sudden Lopez is a nice matchup himself. So I'd I'd say those two you can look at, but obviously Giannis will be the center point.
3: Yeah, Pistons fans are very much aware of Brook Lopez. He has dominated Andre Drummond in previous matchups throughout really their entire career. Uh, Lopez has been a huge issue for Drummond so maybe uh, putting Drummond on Giannis can kind of subdue that but definitely worried about Lopez who has become a remarkable shooter this year but let's go to prediction time because that's I think what everyone wants to, to know even though I think everyone's pretty much on the same page that the Bucks are going to win this series do you think Detroit has enough to steal a game or two considering Milwaukee's injury woes?
4: I'm going to be honest, I've got it as a sweep right now. Uh, The injury roles roles are tough, but you look at, I mean, Brogdon only played in two of the Pistons games. I don't think Miritich played in any of them. So Milwaukee's been able to handle this team even without those guys. Middleton only played in three of those games. So I just think, I mean, we kind of touched on it already, but there's no good way for them to handle Giannis and without, you know, Leaving someone else in a very good position. He's averaging seven assists against the Pistons, which is more than his usual. So I think maybe they take one game, but if my prediction that I made earlier today, and I'm going to stick with it, is probably Bucks in four here.
3: Yeah, I think if Blake Griffin's healthy, Detroit may sneak one away. But if Blake can't go or is playing at you know 50%, which is the serious concern right now, I think it's a clean sweep. Uh, and it really isn't much Detroit's going to be able to do about that. But Ty, thank you so much for joining uh, uh, me on here here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Again, short notice, so I do want to thank you.
4: Hey, no problem. Thank you again for having me. I had a good time.
3: And please plug yourself. Where sh- where can people find you? Where can people find your work? Give us it all.
4: Uh, two big easy places are my Twitter at Ty Windish T I W I N D I S C H. I link. I put everything there that I do. And then the Eurostep podcast you mentioned coming in, I do with my guy Kane Pittman. That's everywhere you can find podcasts, and it's G-Y-R-O, sort of a Giannis uh, bit there. So check that out, too.
3: All right, well, Ty, thanks so much for joining us again. Yep, thank you. And thanks again to Ty Windish for joining me. But now back with the, the big three of the P.O.P. podcast, the main crew. Well, guys, I mean, the follow-up
2: tweet crew, the follow-up tweet crew, absolutely.
3: You know what? You know, I'll take your hate. I'm gonna say it. It's it's good to be here anyway. The Pistons are playing playoff basketball. We get to have a playoff edition podcast. Let's get into it. Well, I won't lie. It is nice that we're having a playoff
0: edition podcast because you you look at the way that things were going down the stretch, and I think the worst case, and it doesn't matter really where you stand on the Pistons. The worst-case scenario would have been missing the playoffs because it, it, you, there's no point, there's no positive, there's nothing that comes out of just finishing as the ninth seed, knowing that Blake Griffin got hurt, and you know knowing the way that you. Um, you could have been there and you could have been a six seed and all of a sudden you drop all the way to the nine and miss the playoffs. There's like nothing good that comes out of that. So this is awesome, even though we did backdoor in, to get in the playoffs, to have an opportunity to continue playing, to have the opportunity to do the podcast talking about it. I Everybody knows we didn't want the Bucks. Everybody knows that that's not the best matchup for Detroit. But the fact of reality is, that's who we got, that's who we're playing, and honestly, you just need to find a way to take advantage of your home games in this series I think if you do that you're gonna have a real good opportunity
3: to compete um, you know maybe steal a game in Milwaukee and have a chance well I mean let's let's first talk about Blake Griffin because I think that's the, the dark cloud shrouding over the Pistons in the playoffs right now because Blake missed the last game of the regular season uh, was he obviously injured. The last week or two of the of the season, he came back against OKC, had a big performance, really went 200 percent, and then we saw the downfall of his knee there. Uh, after that, but there's really no indication on if he's going to play or not. Dwayne Casey said after the final game of the regular season that it would just come down to if he was you know feeling up to it. It was kind of a game time decision. Pretty much. So we don't really know about Blake Griffin's status. He practiced today, uh, did some light work after practice. I'm not. We didn't get full on details of how much he did in practice, but I think he'll end up playing. I I just don't think Blake will sit unless he literally can't move. Um, But how worried are we about Blake's injury and how that's going to affect them in this series?
2: No, Blake's absolutely going to play. He's not going to sit out. Dwayne Casey was saying how he really can't injure the knee any more than it already has been, I guess. So I don't think it's going to keep him out. But you're when you're, you're right when you're talking about how, how much can he play, how much can he produce, how much can he provide. And that worries me. Seeing that game against Memphis, he couldn't move laterally at all. Mm-hmm. And sure, rest is great, but this doesn't really seem like an injury that rest is going to... Really help it Maybe initially out of the gate in the first game For a little bit he has some burst Has some movement But the more he wears on that knee How long is it going to hold up for And honestly see, going up against the Bucks, The best overall record team in the NBA mm-hmm. Is that correct? Is that yes. correct? Yes, sure, correct. Yeah. yes How we need him We need Blake Griffin in this series And the fact that we're not going to have a fully healthy Blake Griffin Hurts my heart it's so it's, it's upsetting. It's, like I said, it's great to play out. Pistons are in the playoffs. It's great to see the city getting fired up about it, the state fired up about it. I'm fired up about it. I'm glad we're able to do this Pistons playoff podcast. But at the end of the day, with a less than 100% Blake Griffin, how far can this team go? And the answer is I'm just not too sure. I have a take on
0: the whole thing. The reality of the situation with a healthy Blake or not, the likelihood of the Pistons winning this series is slim to none. Agreed. Agreed. The likelihood of them winning a playoff game is already slim. Versus Toronto or Philly, they could have possibly extended either of those series to five or six games. Milwaukee, I don't know if anybody... I mean, we saw the reaction to the Twitter poll. People wanted zero as an option in how many games they thought they could win in this series. And it's really—it's
2: not a knock against the Pistons. No. I don't think any Charlotte, Miami. I don't think either one of them are putting a game know, up against. And I
0: don't know if Brooklyn does. Either. I don't
2: think. I don't even think Brooklyn's putting a game up against. And they're playing Milwaukee. great basketball. And they are playing—they're playing young, explosive, good basketball right now. But here's my
0: take: all I care to see in this playoff series, with no expectation of winning, is I need to see Andre Drummond perform. I need to see Andre perform in the playoffs. He's had a nice second half of the season. He's, you know, built up some confidence again from the guys in the locker room, the fans. People are fired up about Dre. We've given Dre credit. Straight up carried this team into the playoffs in these last two games. If Andre has good a good series versus the Bucks, not a good game, a good series versus the Bucks, I'll feel okay. Number two, I need the young guys in Luke Kennard and Bruce Brown to make sure that they get a valuable experience in this first time through the playoffs. Because these are two guys that we expect to be in the mix, in the rotation, whether it's starting or coming off the bench or whatever, for the long term here in Detroit. These two need to benefit from this playoff series. If those two things happen... To me, everything else is icing on the cake. If you win a game, that's thrilling. You sweep maybe at home, then a lot of people are losing money in Vegas. And it's a success. It's a success, bottom line. If you took two games in the series versus the Bucks, it's a success. But I need to see the young guys benefit from this series and I need to see Andre have himself a good series in the playoffs for me to believe in anything that's going on forward. Because if Andre folds again and Andre disappears, th- then it's just raising the question of which Andre is he? So, sorry to interrupt, but when you say,
3: does Andre fold again, where where was the first? Are that's you saying- more
0: of a just the general, like, Andre throughout his career has then shown those flashes, does he retract? You know, Does he maintain with what he's done through the second half of the season? It, it, it's more of a okay. just, okay. Does, he, does he fold? We've given him credit. I've given him credit, right? He needs to maintain his level of play. If he's going to be recognized as one of the leaders on this team going forward, he's going to be recognized as still one of the core pieces in building around Blake and in a hopeful playoff to championship type of run down the road, we've got to
3: see it. I'm not telling you he has to be Hall of Fame level good. But he's got to be at least good. So if we're just going to go with a take here... and I was going to go with a different one, but I think I'm going to go with this one. My take would be... This series will determine if Reggie Jackson has a future on this ball club. I think if Reggie Jackson plays well... The Pistons are going to you know, continue to move along with him as the starting point guard of this franchise. I think if Jackson struggles... The team is going to start looking in other directions to try to make improvements there, because we saw that Jackson kind of struggled down the stretch of the season, and the Pistons are good when Reggie Jackson is good, but he needs to be good more often. And he kind of, he really kind of fell off a cliff towards the end of the year. So how he plays in this series, I think, is going to have a big impact on his future now if he plays bad does that mean i think he's dealt you know this offseason not necessarily because i think his value will go down and i just don't know if detroit will get anything for him but i also think they'll try to bring in some different guys that can take on some point guard responsibilities and um you know see what they can do in that respect now the hope is that jackson played well because in retrospect, this was a, a, a successful season for him. After two plague seasons, he played all 82 games. He was one of seven players in the entire league to start all 82 games that he appeared in. And he played pretty well. He grew as a shooter. It took him some time to transition from a role of always handling the basketball to giving some of the ball handling responsibilities to Blake Griffin, but once he settled into that, once he got his first step back, once he got his legs back under him, he honestly played pretty well. But again, he did struggle towards the end of the season. So if Jackson's consistent in the playoffs, and he's respectable against a tough opponent in Eric Bledsoe, then I think it's going to bode well for him and his future with this team and for the team in general, because they're a more competitive team when Jackson plays. But if he struggles... It could could start to uh, be g- the beginning of the end for his time in Detroit.
2: Alright, so if we're doing takes, I guess my take will be a rebuttal to Brendan. And that is that Andre Drummond will have a great series. Andre Drummond's going to go ham in this one. He is going to play man ball. I am, I am fully on board with Andre Drummond not retracting or losing consistency. I I get Brooke Lopez gives him problems, especially since Brooke Lopez can stretch the three-point line now. So how do we get, how do we find that balance of Andre Drummond protecting the three-point line, but also being around the basket. Mm-hmm. As the best rebounder in the league, we need him, and a team that struggles rebounding. We need him close to the basket at the same time. But I think Dwayne Casey will be smart enough, and the staff will be smart enough, and the scouting team will be smart enough to figure out a way to break that down. Andre Drummond's going to be a man this Uh, Postseason and in this series I fully believe it as far as the young bucks go I think this moment won't be too big for Bruce Brown I think Bruce Brown's just too Mentally tough too ready to go And he's going to have a good defensive series Offensively he has his struggles right now So we can't say anything for that Luke Kennard there will be moments when he looks a little Fresh and young At the same time Luke's going to come in guns Blazing he's going to shoot the ball well He's going to do well I have full confidence In him right now he's found his stroke
3: one thing on the rebounding point you made, the Bucks cannot draw Andre Drummond out to the three-point line to defend Brook Lopez, uh, or the Pistons can't allow that because the Bucks are the best rebounding team in the NBA. They're number one in rebounds per game. Pistons are 19th, so Detroit's gonna have a tough time on the glass. And if they take out Andre Drummond out of the paint, it's gonna be an even tougher time. So, and I talked about this with Ty Windish when he came on. Uh, we almost kind of both agreed that throwing Andre Drummond on Giannis could could be an idea that Detroit runs with because uh, no one else on the roster really has the length to, to match up with them outside of Glenn Robinson III or even Thon Maker. But uh, both those guys, they, they they haven't had to defend a guy of that level, and Andre may have the best success at that. And that would also, with Giannis attacking the paint so often, that's his primary style of play. That would also keep Drummond in the paint somewhat. That was another thing I wanted to bring up. Is Maybe maybe you put Drummond
2: on Giannis. Let Giannis beat you from the outside where he's not very strong. Don't let him just attack you on the inside where that's his game right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a fantastic player. One of the best players in the league. But his, his jump shot right now is not where it needs to be. Let him beat you doing that. If he's going to beat you, don't let him beat you going to the rim. The only thing is, don't you think Dre
0: will just pick up a couple quick fouls doing that, and then you'll have him on the bench? And if Blake's out now, you're down both Blake and Andre. I mean, you got you get. There's just
3: you got to take a risk in the playoffs. Yeah, there's got to be
2: some sort of I risk taking. I think if strategy. you start,
3: you know, one of. I mean, let's say Blake goes, you. I mean, you got to start Andre on him because you can't go with Wayne Ellington.
0: So, to me, I think it's a very interesting idea. I think you save that for the return home because you see how you do with your matchups in Milwaukee. You identify ways to maybe stop him, what they're trying to accomplish in this series. You come home and you say, okay, Andre, we're going to try this out. We're going to give this a look. I don't think you expose that in Milwaukee. I think you saved that as your secret weapon coming home to Detroit. Because if it works with the crowd backing behind it, that could be enough to boost you to a playoff win.
3: My point of view is Detroit doesn't have the luxury to save anything as the 8 I'm seed. just
0: not confident that that's going to work all too well. So, why not?
2: Uh, we'll have to see. I... I understand both sides of the argument here, saving it, not saving it. It's up to the Pistons at that point. But one final thing I wanted to say, and I'm gonna represent for Glenn here. I think Glenn is gonna find some time and I think Glenn's gonna have a good series for the Pistons. Well especially he's if very, out. especially if Blake can't go the full time. Yeah. He's gonna find himself in that rotation because he is, like we said, one of the more the probably the most athletic guy on the team. Yeah. And you need that type of player to guard Giannis. And I think he he has good impact in this series for the Pistons.
0: So Going forward, the Pistons will play what? Twice before we podcast next. That's correct. Both correct. games in Milwaukee, and well, l- let's 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 predict it. Right? Money says Milwaukee will come to Detroit leading two zero. Anybody not buying in on that? Does anybody have a different thought on that?
3: No.
2: No. I two zero will be the series for the box. Because that's. Detroit. I think
0: we're all in agreement. We'll be able to talk more next week about where the Pistons kind of stand after the first two games, maybe things they could look to exploit here at home. But, you know, the bottom line is it's a tall task. It's a tall task for the Pistons because you've seen the regular season games, and Milwaukee has owned Detroit, owned them. They have not been close. But it's playoff basketball. Things change in the playoffs, and you just never know and I'll tell you one other last point here before we wrap up the pod. The Bucks have been pretty laissez-faire in terms of, I think, pre- not prepping, but worrying about the Pistons. I, I don't think that they are concerned at all going into this series. And I think they're fairly confident in their scouting reports from this year, making some tweaks, sticking to the game plan, because it's worked quite effectively.
3: There is the potential
0: that that opens up some loopholes for Detroit to exploit
3: maybe an even game one of the series. Look, I, I couldn't say that I'm a fan of the Pistons if I don't give them one game in this series. I couldn't do it. They aren't going to win this series. They just won't. But I think they're going to steal a game. I think it'll be one of one of the home games because that just it's easier to win at home than it is on the road. I think they can win one. But... It's going to be it's gonna be a tough series, and it's probably going to be pretty quick for Detroit.
2: No, it's going to be a tough series. I don't know if I can honestly give them one. I don't I, like I, either. I feel you on that, Aaron. I want to be able to be like, yeah, they're definitely taking one because we're taking steps in the right direction as a franchise. But I just don't know if this year is the year with all the things that are going on right now for the Pistons that's going to happen. But I'll say this, man. Game three comes around. If you've got tickets to that game and you're going to that game, you got to be loud as hell. We gotta support this team. We gotta make the LCA crazy, cause they deserve it. All right. Sure, the season had up ups and downs, but they're in, and we gotta show our support, fellas. Yeah, no doubt about that. So Detroit gets set to start off the Eastern
0: Conference playoffs as the eight seed versus the one seed Bucks. We'll podcast next week before the Pistons return home for games three and four here of the series. So we we'll look forward to that. We're so glad everybody could join us here on the podcast today. Before you go, like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter at Palace of Pistons. Give Aaron a follow at A. Johnson NBA. Ryan a follow at Ryan Pay. Myself at Media Brendan. Um, We're on Instagram at Palace Pistons. We're on Facebook, the Palace Pistons Facebook page. So, you know the deal. Hype it up. Pistons in the playoffs. Hopefully Detroit could still game in Milwaukee though none of us expect it. We'll see what happens when the Pistons get back to town after the first couple games of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Until then, see you next time here on the Palace Pistons Podcast.